This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Wooverse. It is your weekly trip into outer space. You're welcome. I am your host, Kira Lee. And I'm Lynette. And we're the space holders and space cadets taking care of your safe space station in the solar storm that is life on Earth in 2020. Goodness, hasn't it been a banner year so far? How are you doing out there, Elle? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, holding it together, holding it together. May not have had enough coffee today. Only time is really going to tell. <laughs> because it's kind of meaty what we're getting into today, which, okay, fine, story of our lives. But um, it's kind of, it's a lot for me to wrap my little noggin around because today we're talking wisdom. Who has it? Who gets to access it? Where does it come from? What do we do with it? What even is it? Wisdom. Yeah, how do you know when you're wise? I actually have a really good little saying for this. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Yeah. Wisdom is not putting it in the fruit salad. <laughs> That's so right? true, right? Yeah. So you have discernment. When you're wise, I think it's not that you just know stuff, although you do, but you have discernment and are good at judgment. And this is why this is so important because people think knowledge and wisdom are the same thing, but they're not. Knowledge is kind no. of knowing the facts and wisdom is the combination of experience with knowledge. So it has an underlying judgment that comes with it. There is a sense of awareness or awakening that you've got. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like wisdom is kind of knowledge plus power because mm. knowledge isn't power. You can be really... Yes. And power isn't knowledge. You can be really powerful and really dumb. Hello, yes. President of the United States of America. You can be really kind of smart but not know what to do with it. But then when it comes together, that's when that's what wisdom is. It's like it's a bit juicier or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I love that. That is so true. And then we extend on that, and this is where it gets so woo-woo, but then we go Which into we consciousness. Yeah. Right? And consciousness at its simplest, most convenient definition is that there is an internal understanding of existence. So yep. you can see or feel yourself outside of yourself looking back at yourself. Does it still <laughs> kind of blow your mind? Like uh, my consciousness, and I'm a tripper from way back, yeah. as are you, um, the fact of my own consciousness still regularly blows my mind. How can I actually stand here and know that I am mm. and understand that I am having a human experience and I'm having a conscious experience and like have some understanding of the universe I'm in? Oh my God. Yeah. And despite centuries, centuries of conversation, analysis, definition, explanation, philosophers and scientists have not agreed and do not agree on the explanation of consciousness. Like mm. this is such a massive area that people are still talking yeah. about it after, what, hundreds of thousands of years. That blows my mind. The other thing that blows my mind is when I sit with someone and I actually love this moment, but I've sat with people and go, wow, you are not thinking 
on that level of consciousness. Like mm. the potato is the potato and yep. tonight is about yep. are we eating the potato? And there's no other consciousness other than I ate the potato. And on some level I am jealous of at yeah. times of that yep. level of yep. presence because my consciousness, and we talk about this all the time, is like, oh, my gosh, my mind is just going everywhere about everything and it's about how to harness that consciousness and make it work positively. We always say like first time round when I meet somebody like that. I'm like, I think it's their first time here. They're like, they're still, they're still getting into it. So here's the tripping question. Is it their first time around or are they so conscious they don't have to think beyond the potato? <sighs> See, let's get, let's rip that joint out because we're on yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's pass the duchy <laughs> to the left-hand side and really get into this. Awareness. Wisdom, yeah. awareness, consciousness. The different levels of consciousness. So it's not just that we are conscious, we are aware. Mm. Even the person who's like, it's just about the potato for mm. me can kind of at some point step back and see that they are somebody who's thinking about a potato. This is kind of when we get into meditation as well and we can really step back and see our thoughts. But not only do we all have consciousness, but some of us can get into levels of super consciousness. We call it enlightenment or awakening. And awareness. It's like a deeper levelness of awareness, yes. So awareness is being able to see perspective. It's being able to see that I exist within a body and that body is oscillating with other energies and other bodies and is having an impact. So awareness is commonly something we come back to describe as not just intellect but the perspective around everything that is oscillating within you and beyond you. Now, to do that exactly, you're right. You have to get some sense that you're not in the container or you're not just in the container or your impact isn't just in the container that you're living in. And there are types of awareness. And one of the biggest parts of spiritual awareness is self-awareness. And even within that, there are categories of self-awareness. So can I know that I exist, but then do I know that I exist and you exist at the same time? Can I manage that my existence and your existence can oscillate together in equilibrium and harmony? Like we have so many levels to this and this is people's jobs. Like they sit in offices and write papers about it and do research about it. And we, we recognize that we're not the thought, that the thought appears in the mind, but we are not the thought. We recognize that we have feelings, but we're not the feeling. And there are storms, but we're not swept away with them. It's massive. It did take me a long time to realize that, though. It wasn't until I got into yoga and meditation that I realized I was not my thoughts. So, yeah, when did you become conscious? I'd, up until that point, I'd been like, yeah, no, whatever I'm thinking I am, whatever I'm feeling I am. I have no control, for want of a better word, or I have no perspective is actually an even better word. I have no perspective. I cannot separate. So it's an interesting question, isn't it? And I think that's a pretty profound moment in your life. Yeah. That's when you yeah. when you cross over to the, oh, hold on. Like I can just sit there in silence and the thoughts just come and go and they're coming from outside me. I love this question. I love it. When was your moment that you recognised that, that experience was that when did you step into awareness basically and when I look back I think okay I was always aware almost like I was in observation of myself at certain times and that was because Mm -hmm. for a lot of people who had some level of trauma or 
you know, emergency in their childhood, they leave their body. So they separate themselves. There's a disassociation to protect themselves. So on the first level, that's a state of awareness. But you still have to get to a point when you're older or in awakened state where you recognize that's true. I can be present and be in my power in that awareness as an adult. Mm -hmm. It's a tricky thing. It's not the same for everyone. Some people get it through drug-induced experience. Other people get it through trauma rehabilitation. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people seek seek drug experiences because it can be a little bit of a shortcut to, oh, my God, now all of a sudden I realise you do your first day and you're like, there's something bigger going on yeah. here. Oh, my God, we're all connected. Yeah. Whereas maybe everything about your experience up until that point was about individualism and materialism and capitalism. And then all of a sudden you can kind of break out of that and go, oh, my God, I'm in touch with this thing. I've touched the live wire and I want to touch it again. And one of the memories I have is, and my mum and dad are boomers, and I remember being like 21 and trying to have conversations with them. And they're quite awake. Like my dad has very awake conversations about this stuff. He was talking about meditation in the 70s. My mum had yoga happening. But still there was this point where our awareness did not meet. Like I was trying mm. to explain something that I was getting a lot of head tilting back and I was thinking why do you not get me can you not feel this and then I was like I asked them have you ever taken any transcendental drugs and they both looked at me like of course not and I was like right okay Mm, we're now going to be having very different discussions about experience here I have never actually officially told my parents what I do They know that I was a yoga teacher and then it's out there. I have a website. I have an Instagram. I do a podcast, but I've never formally said to mum and dad, this is what I do until about a week ago when dad actually said to me, what exactly do you do? I was like, I channel people's spirits, guides and angels, dad. (laughs) Looked him in the eye and said it. Yeah, I came out. I finally came out. And he was like, he just went, okay. We haven't talked further on it. But again, yeah, it's like that. For me, that's just like, yeah, of course there's something bigger going on. Of course I can get involved in it. Of course we all have ability to access these parts of ourselves and these instincts and these senses that we have. I think that's why it's so confusing for so many people that have this experience from when they're very little because it's not necessarily affirmed around them. So for me, exactly, I was experiencing it all but never really understood it as consciousness and it wasn't in any way it was like I had a Ferrari as I described but I did not know how to drive the Ferrari yeah I watched my children they will talk to me about spirits they'll talk to me about experiences or sensations or feelings or even dreams and I think I mentioned that one of my sons had a dream of all these people in hazmat suits over and over again and he'd wake up crying and we knew corona was on the outskirts at that point and I was just able to nourish that part of him and say look I think what you're experiencing is something that may be happening somewhere but we're safe and it's so different I think to watch yourself parent a child that is conscious and realize that as a child you were suffering because you had some level of understanding or consciousness but it wasn't being met and there is a torture in that like if you're Mm. surrounded by people that don't meet your level of understanding or can't answer your questions or experience your consciousness or help you manage your consciousness 
It's actually really, really hard. And historically, people who have become conscious and become enlightened and become awakened tend to get killed, don't they? Like they tend to get ostracized and sacrificed. Some pretty big stories, particularly with women. Yeah, like that's not, people aren't generally like, oh my God, this is amazing. Come on down and blow my mind. Um, It tends to go the other way. Yeah, and now we see it as something, right? People pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go and sit in front of people and become awakened and enlightened and understand the way they think and why they think that way. But if you were to say to me, why is this important? Why is consciousness important? Why should we teach a conscious awareness in schools? It's because if you have a filter that you are the you are not the thought and you are not the yep. feeling. And yep. you are able to say, you know, today I really wish that I could put my baby in a soundproof tent because they've been crying all day. But I'm not necessarily going to follow up on that because it's it's I'm experiencing pain or I'm experiencing something that will pass and it's, you know, it's an experience of a journey with yep. this child. What it means is that you can have the thoughts and feelings, but you don't take them seriously. You don't act upon them and it changes the reaction and response in the world. So the reason this is so important is because it actually will change our world and it changes us. It changes the kind of harmony we live in. Throughout history, people have been trying to do that, but I don't think there was as much of a calling for it to be part of a mass transition is what it is now. Well, I think we used to live like this. Mm. And then Some we, like when we were hunter-gatherers, yeah, I think I think a long time ago this is actually how we lived. And then we started moving, at least the cultures we come from, we started moving into towns and villages and cities and farming and like, and then it kind of exploded and we got away from all of that. The thing for me as well is the reason I want to be conscious and the reason I want to explore my consciousness is even though I'm pretty sure we live multiple times, I don't remember as far as I can tell, this is my my one shot at life. Like as far as I'm aware of in this life, this is it. And I just want to be present for it. I don't want to wake up at 70 and be like, where the fuck did my life go? Yeah. I want to be there with it and this miracle of my own existence. Yourself, sure. Yeah, my, the entire way. So when I do get to 70... It's a, you know, inshallah, it's a very different experience for yeah. all of a sudden being like, oh my God, I'm alive. That I'll is have known so it true. It, I've never actually thought of why would I want to be conscious? I think I've always been trying to manage the <laughs> level of consciousness yep. that's been coming through. So if you said to me, why did you go towards this or seek teachers and people to speak to about this? Because I was not managing it. It was actually quite horrendous at times to experience it through my nervous system but I love that I love the thought of the fact that the reason we want to explore this is because we want to be present for each moment of life that is so true such a beautiful statement we're going to talk about our consciousness and how we can manage it today let's think about it historically where did wisdom traditionally come from Mm. the elders right was the story keepers that the oldest people in the tribe or the community I think that's true. Yeah. And this understanding that wisdom was something that was gained through experience and over time. You're not, most people aren't born with it. You've got to get it yeah, through hardship. Yeah, you have to live to access mm. it. So mm-hmm. for a lot mm-hmm. of people, it was the great sages in, in the community were the women, the grannies, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the elders, the masculine elders who would have taught and passed on skills. And remember, we talked about that happening through story. And craft making, so Mm -hmm. food making, Mm -hmm. doll making, medicine balms. There was, you know, wisdom just passed on with soothing touch and story that went with it. And, you know, the making of a cup of tea, it just never was a cup of tea. There was always 
a story with it. And maybe you might have had something special in your tea that day, a special flower or a special herb, mm. and it worked. And and so somewhere along the line, this became commercialised almost. Like we started going, oh, right, well, the grannies don't own it anymore. I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it from a company. And, and this yeah. is where it gets crazy and tricky. And I think, you know, one of the most amazing things that I think still happens in many cultures is that the people who do the acupuncture or give out the herbs or are doing the the work, the visionary work or the teaching work, it's because someone in their lineage has had that wisdom and knowledge. And I definitely believe that it is passed on and it comes through your veins and your energy and your system for sure. Yeah, because we, especially in the modern world, we're so lucky in that we can access it ancestrally yes. and go back through our lineages through and understand Akashic what our records. Yes. Yeah, and just like understand what our foremothers and fathers did and what has been passed down culturally through our lineage. But we also have access to the wisdom of the world. So many cultures on earth, so many different understandings, so much that has been learnt and is now being shared. And it's never been easier to access the wisdom of humanity. Yes, it's never been easier, but the thing we need more than ever is the concept that it is sacred and it needs to be honoured. And so you'll notice that every time we talk about something to do with energy or wisdom or awareness, if you have a group of people that treasure the information, that honour it, that seal it, that hone it in a way that is positive and and a sense of sacred passing on, you'll get an energy that builds it. Yeah. But if you take the energy and then it's basically destroyed or it's bastardized or it's dishonored, it diminishes its energy. So if you look at companies like there's this amazing company in Paris called Trudon and they make these candles now that wisdom and energy has been the story has been passed on right from Versailles times to now. There's a tea maker, Mirage Ferrier. They make the most amazing tea with the most precious story. There is a lineage that's held brothers that are making mustards and you know the original pickle that was made was made on the granny's table and it was a recipe that was just given out at Christmas and then someone decided to jar it for the community and then it became bigger and bigger those things have integrity and I think you can feel that wisdom coming through you know what I mean it's like it's got to come with a sacredness yeah and I think if you want to access these teachings it is a really important thing to know that they are sacred and you can't cut corners. Like if you really want to learn, if you really want to be wise, you can't just buy it. It doesn't turn up overnight. You don't actually want the watered down teachings. You want the real thing. And you might have to really humble yourself or stretch yourself or work yourself in order to be able to gain this wisdom and hold this wisdom. So when I teach, I do not give out the entire period of my teaching up front. I give it out in bite-sized pieces and there's a deliberate reason for that. There are very few things that we can't access the whole thing straight away. Yeah, yeah. Binge watching. Hello. Binge listening. With spiritual teaching, we want to say no, not until this has been completed or not until you are ready to move into that next space. And it's interesting because people feel very out of control. A a Mm. lot of times we'll start the journey and 
I'll, I'll ask, oh, you seem agitated. Is there a reason? I just don't know where this is going. I don't yeah, know. Where, yep, well, I yep. can't see how this is going to happen. I go, that's where your trust, and this that's is big, point. your trust in me comes in that I am guiding you through a tunnel and you're going to get what you need as you need it. And it, I always say, and you'll remember this, at the very end you can join all the dots and it makes sense. But you, there's some part of this that is the understanding that unknowingness is the perfect place to start and that we move into a place where we get all the information. It's a it's a treasure hunt. When Yeah, when I read people, often they'll ask a question and the guides will come back with, you've got to figure it out. Yeah. It's so important that we'll support you along the way. But if we just wrote the answer on a piece of paper and handed it to you, you wouldn't value it. Yeah. You wouldn't appreciate it. You'd be like, oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, God, it's that simple, yeah, is it? It's a journey, They're like, not no, a destination. you, you right. got to figure it out yourself. Like, you've got to go on the hero's journey, babe. Yeah. Have fun. And it's interesting, Kiralee, because in our history, if you look at a lot of the wisdom that's written down, it was – a lot of the masculine perspective, a lot of the yeah. female wisdom yep. was not written down. Women were too busy mm-hmm. reckon, to write it down. <laughs> and so from for much of our time, we have been studying or incarnating the stories and the wisdom that was really written. And if you look at a lot of the oral story, and that's where Indigenous cultures come in, which is profoundly wise, and actually most of what we're trying to get back to, like you say, that is increasing in its power as we allow the margins now to start telling the stories and writing it down. And just because it's written down doesn't make it more valuable. It doesn't make it more true. It doesn't make it more accurate because there's lots of different kind of wisdom. There is your book wisdom, Mm. but there's like inherent wisdom. There's understood wisdom. There's body wisdom. There's some stuff that's never been written down that you can understand and feel into. And it's maybe different to what is written down, but it's just as true. One of the things that's so interesting about the last 20 years is that we have been encouraging students to become critical thinkers and to look Mm -hmm. at okay so this is the text but who wrote the text when was it written why was it written and when I was a media and film teacher that's what we were trying to teach people so now our media is holding this enormous amount of power around what we're seeing and what's filtered and even Google that wasn't filtered in the beginning is now filtered. So we have a very conscious generation of millennials coming through. They want to know where did that product come from? What do they call it? Almost conscious capitalism is starting to emerge. And I'm celebrating that um, because I think that we have to be really critical that just because something is put in front of us, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true and it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't pick it and pull it apart because that's wisdom. Especially with your wisdom as well. Just because the teacher comes from another country where you think the people from that country hold the wisdom or are sacred doesn't mean they are. You've still got to use your discernment. Just because the teacher is a man or a woman and you perceive that to be the more wisdomy gender, you've still got to pull it apart. Just because it was written in a book a long time ago, still you got to pull it apart. Like, And again, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, like discernment. And it's been interesting listening and watching people around coronavirus and the origin of it and how that story has been so manipulated. And as a media 
media person, as a media critic, you'd sit back and you'd watch, how did that get out? Why was someone demonized? And then when did that story just drop off? Like we don't even hear about some things anymore. And so the encouragement is that we can now recognize that you know, his story, his story, not her story, was largely being told. But we can also now look at that culturally and say there are culture stories that are not being told. And we need to become critical and ethical. And one of the reasons we need to is that we are starting to explore the concept of AI and machines having consciousness and doing things for us. And if we don't move into oh a gosh. space where we okay. become conscious... Of that, it is big. Babes, pass me the bong and then let's really just get into it. Can a machine ever be conscious? Like this consciousness that we value so much that we think is inherent to humanity, even though we're starting to understand that animals and plants have a version of it as well. Okay. Can, can we program it into a machine? If we talk about how we share it, the only way the machine would get it is that we would give it to them. My head is going to explode. Well, you're speaking to somebody who is now partnered to somebody who is a Westworld addict. And he and I cannot watch this show together. Does it lead to arguments? (laughs) Spirited debates? Well, it leads to me having a psychic freak out. Yeah, okay. Because here's the thing. There were things about a virus going into the planet and then it changing the financial structures and the social structures that even as a conscious psychic person. Okay, spoiler alert for Westworld, by the way, everyone. Which season are we talking? Oh, he's in the last season. He's like right Okay, spoiler alert for all of season three of Westworld. Yes. So the concept that this virus might overtake the planet and we would then have to consider ourselves socially, financially and, you know, across borders differently was on some level when people talked about this 10 years ago too much for me. The concept of alien forces, not that I don't believe that there are other worlds and aliens on the planet that have existed and communicated with humans was a little too much for me. I tend to like to deal with the realm of people, consciousness, spiritual awareness, spiritual guides. That's pretty much my swimming pool this bigger ocean and I have friends who just text me all day on whatsapp about this stuff there because they're bigger into it that blows my mind and it actually I have to be honest frightens me so my consciousness and my desire for information kind of stops there and then once someone sent me an article about them making ai sex robots and the question of ethics about should they make child like sex robots far out that of course because it triggers into my childhood really hit me and i actually had to have a cry about it and when i actually have a block here i can't move into the consciousness so the reason he and i can't share westworld is that it's too much for me psychically. Now, this is important to talk about, right? Because a lot of people in this world who teach this are like, oh, I'm so open. No, I I have limits about where I'm at and I have to constantly sit down and say, is that limit? I can't block off from the reality that there is an AI mass level of consciousness happening. And around the building of it, around the making of it, it is going to happen. And the question of how conscious can a machine become is a good question. What it brings up is where is my limit? 
how far am I going to be able to go into my limit around it? Mm. And, you know, how long is that going to take me to take? That doesn't mean it's not happening, though. My understanding of consciousness as well is that it's very much connected to energy and that as humans we have energy bodies, we'll have our human body, but we also have our energy body. We've got our support squad on the other side. We've got our guides and our angels and our ancestors that we are connected to and support us. Can you put consciousness into a machine and then do they get spirit guides and angels? Okay, so... What are the ancestors? Is it all just old Apple Macs from the 80s hanging on on their other side, their ancestors waiting to support them? that's very funny, but no. (laughs) But imagine, okay, so I've had this conversation with someone before. Imagine you make a temple and the temple is a building. It's got no people in it, but there are guides and angels and supporters of that space. So the minute that someone walks into that temple... The angelic forces, the supporters, the protectors of the object space exist. Is it possible to create a machine that mimics so much human energy, even empathy, Mm, that it could attach itself to spiritual helpers and guides and therefore increase its consciousness can can you see why it Head, freaks mind blown, me out? Mind blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really a bold new world. Are you scared of it? Do you have a limit um, of con- – what, where's your – I can't go there. I know you spoke about David Icke and the lizard people and you went, that's it, yeah, I'm out, babe. Yeah, I, that's the yeah, line. Yeah, it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. I had a really – so especially in terms of all of this stuff, I've really been into AI for quite a while. And I had I've a big – yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like – I love it. I love it. Like I'm not making it, but I've understood that the singularity is coming Mm -hmm. and that it makes sense evolutionarily that we will not last forever and something else will come and take over from us and it's going to be the the robots as far as I'm concerned. And I know I'm saying this in a really kind of cold, calculated way, but I had absolute mental breakdowns about it. Maybe five or six years ago, it was really weighing heavily on me. Yeah, and I really was feeling it and feeling really – upset about it and yeah and and actually and then I had the, my whole climate change thing was happening back then as well where I was like mm. it's all over there is no future um I was also reading a lot of Philip K Dick and smoking a lot of pot it was kind of bad for my head but come back to the earth the seashell the sand my delightful ex-husband made this really good point which I really then kind of set me free because I was thinking right how do we survive the apocalypse what do we do and he was like, babes, you want to die on day one yeah, of the apocalypse. Yeah, that's what my partner said. Nobody like... wants to survive the apocalypse. See if you can die day one. Death isn't really a problem. You're not going to be skinning rabbits and drinking rainwater for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh, yeah, good point. Great. So if the robots come in, I'll just, that's fine. I'll just, I'll hopefully die on day one of Terminator 2 and we'll near be Near the fine. epicenter, near the epicenter. Well, so here's the thing that's always part of those stories. There's always the outlanders that live on the outskirts that have built their own biosphere and their energy and consciousness, even like in Harry Potter, is stronger than, you know, the enchantments that you put around yourself are stronger than the the artificial forces. So that's where Mm. I get to. The thing that blows my mind right is that I had studied technology, media and film at uni, taught it, and now I have children who I watch and honestly they come playing computer games and reading that language in a way that I have to learn. So I used to watch my parents and think, why can you not understand how to send me an email and attach something? And I would explain, I'm still explaining that to my mum. My my partner is still there doing my mother's email attachments on a And what Thursday are your kids night. currently thinking? Why can't my mum understand how to... They said dot, to me dot, the dot. other day, where I was being um, in the Harry Potter game with one of them, 
them and he said, Mum, your kicks are really slow. It's push button flick, push button flick. And I was looking at him going, my body just doesn't do that. Doesn't know how so to do my that. consciousness, my literacy in that world is so limited and it's almost like they came in with the level of literacy in that game that they needed for this lifetime. So I do sit in all of this and go, okay, so I freak out about it and robots and AI is terrifying to me, but they seem to have toy robots anyway and they are in that world. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, and it's not the first level of robots. The thing that terrifies me is when the robots learn to make their own robots because that's when we're truly fucked. Like, it's, if we make them, we kind of control them. But when they're smart enough to make their own, then we're going to be like monkeys. And how well has humanity worked out for monkeys? And this is where, why well. we have to keep having conversations, But maybe I'll be one of the lucky right? ones and I'll be in a zoo and be, like, fed and stuff. Oh. And, like, no, no, you'll have to be wear like a nappy and perform in movies. Oh. Biosphere. Beautiful biosphere. We'll be Yes, we'll back be to consciousness and how amazing vegetables. it is that we can think about these things. Thing someone said to me the other day is, what do you think is important in this? And I said, communication right communication and social trust we have to be able to have the conversations that we need to have as this changes not everything is bad you know like I don't believe making IVF babies is bad I think it's a wonderful thing that we have the technology to be able to do that I don't think no nose jobs are bad if you hate your nose and you can't breathe properly and we can give you a nose job and it changes your life that's an amazing thing there are different levels of conversation around this that need to happen. So there are robots that are made from robots, but then there's the conversation of what happens if you put an implant into a human body and then you can magnetically and electromagnetically control them. And this is where it gets interesting because people who are like, who were vaccinated and vaxxers are like, oh no, I don't actually have a problem with the homeopathic concept of vaccination. What I have a problem with is if, I'm, if a pharmaceutical company is injecting me with something that I didn't know that they were injecting me with and it may have implications to control me or track me and so if we just make it a conversation around health and herd and tribe and protection we're missing the point it's this bigger fear that we are not going to be able to have our own consciousness make our own choices have our own power and freedom and truth and that conversation I think is what we need to keep putting on the table. Yes, absolutely, indeed. So let's talk about how we manage our consciousness and how we gain wisdom through teachers, through those who have come before us. We really are standing on the shoulders of giants when it comes to this. So what is a sage and what's an avatar and what's a shaman and what's a teacher? Ah, big, okay. Big questions. (laughs) Big questions. So a sage is someone who has sat and studied and almost steeped their wisdom. So they've tested, mm. tried, and used wisdom, failed, and then come up with the information that they need to keep getting stronger in their information and their validation. A shaman, and this is interesting because it's kind of from the word, uh, it transcends from a word, Um, meaning one who knows so the the spiritual concept of a shaman is someone who knows how to transcend between this world and the next and to use energies that are not necessarily just in this plane an avatar completely different it's when you are or a human being is embodying 
the energy or the information and the deity connection to someone who has previously accumulated knowledge on the planet. So it gets wacky, doesn't it? And we now have avatars in computer games. We can create ourselves as an avatar. This is why it's really powerful. Never seen the movie. Sure, it's great. It is, actually. Back in the day, if you look at the sages that were originally walking around, it was people like Buddha. And they went through this very particular journey where, like what we would describe as the hero's journey, where they went from unconsciousness into consciousness. And his Mm. consciousness was really prominent when he sat under the Bodhi tree and he became enlightened and he could see suffering and he could see the human journey. And then he was able to come back out of that human existence with his awareness and then he was able to share it with others. Jesus Christ was a man who walked on the earth and his awakening and awareness was about people's cruelty and lack of understanding and compassion and inability to accept others who were unlike themselves and his journey also went through great suffering but then if you follow the story he became awakened and enlightened and forgave and moved past the obstacle and that's why he holds the wisdom and that energy on our planet now There are lots of stories in lots of religions and cultures, not just ours, that have these stories about sages and people who went through their journey, even the story of Mary Magdalene and the fact that she was the person who was by his side and the journey that she went through is part of our cultural female story. and. We are working with the understanding that this archetypal energy lives on our planet, so we access it when we need healing around those things. But what's also started happening is people have started to become embodied with their teachings or sharing them or resetting them, almost like um, putting them in a new modern form so we can hear them. So if you look at a lot of the books that are written, they're taking the thoughts and the understanding and the wisdoms of old sages and then they rework them for modern times and put yeah. them into modern conversation. And then we're filtering them in to daily awareness. Yes. And that's going to keep happening. We're going to have younger people like Greta Thunberg who come out and say, no, my generation wants to say it like this. This is all the wisdom I've gathered. This is what I want to happen. And now this is the way we're going to be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So there are people that become part of that wave and that tipping point in consciousness that move our world along and awaken us and they will keep coming. And especially through this time that we've just been through and the times we're going through, we're going to need those revolutionaries, those renegades, those people who are the people that are going to push us into this next phase very much to get to our new awareness through the age of Aquarius. What about modern sages? What about who we listen to now and the concept of taking a teacher and following a process or a thought, a school of thought? Yeah. Well, I mean, as we move into the age of Aquarius, right, the information becomes more diverse, it becomes more dispersed, and it needs to become more available to everything and everyone. So there is these big questions around, you know, if you put something on Facebook Is it equivalent and equal to somebody else who puts it on Facebook? How do we tell the difference of that wisdom? 
between the wisdoms. And so it's it's tough. tough That's part of the thing. If you've just got one book that's like, this is what you need to know, this is human wisdom, then okay, it's not all there, but it's easy. Mm -hmm. If you're like, here's everything that humanity's ever thought about anything, you figure from everything from like the really wise indigenous shamans to the fuck off racists Mm -hmm. who like national socialists, figure it out for yourself, people. Have fun. Yes, and but but that's why I think it's so important that this is taught in schools, like how to become critical and how to gather all the information and join the dots. Now, but if you go back into the age of Pisces, nobody wanted you joining the dots. No one mm. wanted to go, hey, why are all the sacred texts in this religion all written by men? No, no said no religion ever. <laughs> yeah. And where are the sacred texts by women? And hold yeah. on a minute, there were four of these people writing it down, but what was going on in their life and why are their perspectives different? So the dots were encouraged to be separated and media still use that technique and so do politicians. So to overcome this, we have to bring the dots together. And it means reading and connecting with people from all diverse voices. I think that at the moment, if you notice, we started kind of at Plato, Aristotle, um, you know, all the religious sages and scribes, and then we went into masculine energy, even Deepak, Eckhart Tolle. They're still around, great things to say. But we are starting to get these very firm female voices, Alanya Vezan, Carolyn Meese, Marianne Williamson, people who, okay, they're, they're not perfect, they're human, but we're starting to see Indigenous people speak out and say, no, this is actually my wisdom, my truth. And I think if we can try and tap into a more diverse voice, even asking whose voice is not included in this piece. Always asking, always asking who is not present here and why are they not present here? So if I'm reading on a certain conflict or I'm reading on anything, I will always go and say, what is the other news organisation? And it's one of the reasons Al Jazeera is so powerful on this planet because it presents an alternative view around what's happening. And I, I encourage people to just pull out, yeah, even if you're reading, you know, something that is you is so against what you believe it's almost the point of learning like if you can Mm. say this is why I don't agree with it and this is how it made me feel and this is who it hurt fantastic that's that's actually power and I think also wisdom is very much as well about being able to hold contradictory thoughts at the same time there can be two opposing truths or thoughts or understandings that can both exist at the one time how very Aquarian of you absolutely (laughs) oh is it not Charles for a Piscean yes I do okay we have to move into the age of Aquarius which says it's probably a bit of both columns and if we can bring those columns together we're probably going to get the point of power so who are our voices on this planet well we have a lot of films and texts that young kids are drawing from to get the information which i mean everybody gets a dollar every time we say harry potter but let's say it again <laughs> harry potter yeah but there was also like alice in wonderland wizard of oz dune star lord trek of the lord of the rings the matrix like especially if we're talking about are the robots matrix. coming and are they going to use us as batteries and how can we be conscious even when the robots come the matrix yeah and uh, you know i love the fact that the matrix when he goes to see the oracle she mm. is this beautiful woman. She reminds me of Alice Walker. And mm. she's just sitting making cookies. And she's not, she, there's no fancy, oh, yeah. yep. she's just making yep. cookies. And, you know, yep. which is how wisdom's always kitchen, been. Yeah. In the kitchen. Yep. So that, yeah, yep. really great. Can we be our own teacher? We are 
100% meant to be. Like what, at what point do we learn from other people? At what point do we learn from ourselves? At what point do we trust our lived experience? I have a feeling that we are not too really overly push the consciousness of our young people they're already very conscious it's to give them there's that word again container to be themselves to a certain point but between Mm. 20 and 28 there's usually a sense of questioning and awakening which is why university was first developed because it was meant to be this place where you go and ask lots of questions you might be at the pub for asking some of those questions, but yeah, you know, for like eight like, hours but, but of asking those questions. It's still exploration, right? So it's the fine. concept of that period is really where you would want to find connection to some kind of teacher. But for a lot of us, it doesn't happen until we can afford it or we can get to a place where we've got the space, which yeah. is in our thirties. So around that period is powerful. And a sense of perspective. I think it's hard to be wise when you've got nothing to compare it to. I certainly know in my own life as I'm getting older, I'm accumulating wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting it's one of the benefits of aging, right? You you do get wiser. But it's also when you get when you sit with somebody at 30 and you get them to look back at their timeline of unconsciousness and you can see that there is a sense of karma about where you were born into or why those mm. qualities may have happened in your family or the frequencies you were soaked up into like a sponge, why they have benefited you. If you interfered in that process, you would be a completely different human. So it's the concept of saying, hey, that's just where that energy and that person is meant to be at the moment. And then we can move into consciousness. But I think if you were to say, is it a good idea to go straight from that to becoming your own teacher it would be rare that you would get to that really big evolved yeah, state yeah, without yeah, having yeah. You need a bit of support on the support way. And protection and, and guidance, I think. Yeah, I think ultimately that is where we're going with it, where we do get to the point where we've done our work to we can trust our own wisdom, we can trust ourselves, we can be our own teacher. But yeah, you don't start there. It's such an important part of the journey as being the student. Yeah, as well, and, and we sometimes dismiss that or think that that's the bit we need to skip over. But actually being a student is amazing. Being a student is incredible. Learning is wild. Yeah, and, and remaining on some level that student even as the teacher is really mm, powerful. And remaining like excited and interested and, and wanting and to learn. Of wonder. And yeah. that's the energies we want to cultivate in young people is the critical awareness and the sense of it's okay to be where I am and the questioning and, you know, I'm learning, I'm in an evolving state. I think it's one of the reasons why those people we spoke about and those texts we spoke about are so important, though, because they're often the first point of call. They're often the first teacher. So, you know, Mm. someone handed me the Celestine Prophecy. I know people handed you books. You know, and Anatomy of the Spirit saved my journey in the beginning because I couldn't find anyone who was speaking that language. Yeah, and it's like a puzzle piece, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's like you yeah, it's like you're like, Oh, I knew I was feeling something, but finally I now have the the language to be able to describe it. Like we know I finally now understand what it is. Yeah. And a teacher can do that for you. And if imagine on a super conscious level the universe went, We need people to write books so that people can access millions of copies of these books to begin their journey of awareness and then there will be teachers in their local area or they yep. will be have access to. So you can become your own teacher and a person can teach you to trust your intuition more and get you back to that original guidance. And then you can even become your own channel. 
Yeah, yep. And this is one of the things I've really enjoyed about the way you teach is that you teach from the point that we are all channels. Mm. We all have inherent wisdom. This is passed down to it, it, it to us. It is our birthright. And so much of the journey of being human is rediscovering it. It's not even that we need to learn it. It's that it's already in there and we just need to tap into it and rediscover it. And hear it. It's like and that frequency it, yeah. isn't always available to us. I think in this coming generation – and you'll know with your nieces and nephews and the kids around you, people are more conscious to say, oh, is that your feeling? Fantastic. Well, yeah, why don't we go with yep. that? Um, yep. And so they might have a softer landing into this than yep. we all did. But I absolutely believe that we are, you know, the sixth sense is inherently a protection device. We are inherently gifted with the ability to see mm. what is beyond our own eyes, beyond the physical yep. world to protect ourselves. So if you can get a pl- to a place where you're in a calm, grounded, organized, energetic, mental, emotional space, you will have incredible access to that channel. And it can get to the point where you can see, feel and hear things that you never thought you were going to. Because there's all these different levels of consciousness as well. There's like individual consciousness, there's collective consciousness, there's super consciousness. And then when you're channeling, you're tapping into all of that and you're also tapping into the other side, you're tapping into the Akashic records. One of the reasons consciousness is so important while you're channeling is because basically you are able to then interpret your feelings, your thoughts and what you've been through, say, that morning and go, well, that's not part of the story. Mm. And then you're able to witness the story and go, okay, my logic mind wants to say this, that, and the other. But when you're actually using spiritual awareness, consciousness, and visioning, you're able to move past all those lower, more physicalized components of the energy and the frequency and get into a higher level of understanding and conceptualizing so that you can see what needs to happen in order to move it into its highest energy so it's less personal yeah, yeah it definitely more universal and it becomes a more detached response there's a bunch of different types of channeling mm. so when you are looking at bringing your awareness into the energy around you and beyond you the reason a lot of spiritual teachers will start with hey let's get you in your body let's get you comfortable being there because most of us aren't we live in a very busy erratic world the reason you start by bringing someone down into their body and getting them to remember how to earth themselves is because when you access all that other information, it's like turning on about 70 computer screens at once. And to be able to work out where the information is coming from and how to manage it, to to be grounded and earthed and centered to start with and even have done your emotional processing. So if something triggered you when you were seven and you're still holding on to it, you don't want to really be opening up into that when you first start channeling. Because the first thing that's mm. going to happen when you start opening up is you're going to go into the emotional body and memory. You're going to go into the mental energy and then the spiritual energy. That's why we start there. And then what happens is we start saying, okay, how do you pick up your phone line? Is it, are you a visual person? Yep. Do you get and it your through oral. your ears? Do you feel yep. it? There are some channels. Does it come in your dreams? Yeah, dreaming is another way they come. So there are some people who actually allow the energy to walk into their body and their body embodies the body of that spirit now when that happened to me when I was very young I was with my teacher thankfully and I said to him I do not want that he said you're allowed to say no 
and and actually I think it was the healthiest thing and the right choice for me was to say if you want to speak to me then you need to be known to me as my guide you also need to be one of my head guides and a good spiritual teacher will be able to organize that with you to work out who you're speaking to on the other side so the ancestors are speaking from the ancestor side and they give you confirmation the spirit guides are speaking from another space in your energetic space and aura and you're able to differentiate the phone line so if you are channeling through your body oh my goodness that is incredibly physical taxing and there can be complications with that and a lot of people get sick very early in their life if you allow that spirit to step out and say if you want to speak to me you actually need to do it in front of me or behind me or in this way it is so much easier and so much clearer i strongly suggest if anyone's working with this or experiencing that that there is a way to sort of differentiate how that works through your body create like the order about how it happens you can think about it if somebody was talking to you in real life you wouldn't just be like you're allowed to get up in my face and scream at the top of my lungs exactly. you'd be like in humanity the way we talk is you stand there and i yeah. stand here and these are the words we use and this is the volume we like and that's important to know that as the person who is channeling that you are allowed to say how the information comes to you even to the point that i have a rule you are not allowed to visit me in the dark when I am finished work, you are not allowed to visit me while yeah, I am sleeping yep. unless you yep. are a relative and you want to come in my dream and have a really beautiful time or a guide. But I have a very strong rule about that. I don't want to be walking around the corner and see somebody sitting in my house or in my hallway. And it has happened. And I always say to that spirit, you didn't get the memo. Guess what? <laughs> this is my. This is not my workspace. You know? <laughs> we have some rules around here, and I think boundaries are one of the ways to surviving as an empath. Mm. You need to know how to like lay the boundaries and go. This is where mm. I end. This is where somebody else starts. So it doesn't just get all mushy. Yeah, there's yeah, rules. All mushy and caught up. You need to learn to drive the car. If you are just letting it all come through, which is I know for so many people, this does just all come through, and it kind of feels amazing because not everyone can do it but if you just keep letting it keep coming through and you keep saying it's okay what happens is you can end up in spiritual emergency and then you're not in a great place so you're right there are things that you can do to survive as an empath and the first step is to acknowledge I am an empath I am registering information physically mentally spiritually and emotionally I am I have all my phone lines on And once you realize you've got your phone lines on, there are things you need to do. I need to be with the earth and connect with the earth at least every 48 hours. I need to know how to shield myself. I need to know what's mine and what's someone else's. So I'll often say, is that my feeling? Have I woken up or grumpy? It took me so long to figure that out. I'd be like, why am I feeling like this? And then the person would leave and I'd be like, oh, that was not mine. It was theirs. I've actually had it. My partner and I have had it with other couples where every time we go to dinner, we'll be like fighting in the car. And we were like, there was a point where I was like, this is such a pattern. That wasn't ours. They must, even though they're presenting as smiling, they're unhappy. And every time we sit in the car together, we're like, no, 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 no. We're having fights that we, I'm like, why are we even fighting over this? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the other thing is, I think that that shield, um, when you go into the greater world, whether it's a shopping center or, you know, a big day at work, that shield, that gold level dome protection really helps because everything has to be above that frequency. Learning how to control your energy in your body through your breathing. Um, making sure that you set limits around things that are electronic because 
we don't, and this is the AI conversation, but we don't necessarily register a frequency that mimics energy as negative. So we we tend to absorb more EMF than everyone else. So we have to neutralize it with water, earth. Yeah. And letting yourself rest as well, really letting yourself rest as an empath Mm. and like giving yourself time and space and not constantly having to be on and up in everybody's bloody energy all of the time. Giving yourself permission to say no. A lot of empaths come thinking my job is to heal everyone. So when we're in a room, we're like, oh, it's my job to fix this. And how many times do you have to say, oh, this is not mine to fix? Yeah, a lot of us come with a little bit of a saviour complex yeah. as well. As they say in Harry Potter, uh, you've got a saving people thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, we could learn so much from the sacred text of Harry Potter. Oh, no, we're just going to keep it. But, yeah, I think it is really important. And step away from things that don't feel good. I, You'll sort it out if you can step away from anything that doesn't feel good. I think that's the big thing. And the other thing is you've got to protect yourself when you're dreaming and you're in altered states of consciousness. Like if you're in drug-taking situations or you're about your conscious mind is about to go to sleep or it's about to take a break, you really need to have that extra protection. You probably would have felt that because you've had a bit of a drug-taking journey. Did you feel the difference between drug-taking when you were Un, relatively unconscious to when you became conscious? Yeah, definitely. Although I've got to say that in all my drug taking, so much of it was an attempt to seek access to super consciousness, yeah, access to these different spaces. I was always trying to channel, but I never had the tools to do it. And drugs were such a lovely, easy shortcut easy for me. Tools. So it was always kind of sacred for me, even when it was profane. And yeah, but then once I really switched on and started... Um, doing all the channeling myself and connecting to those levels. Yeah, all of a sudden then when you're taking any kind of drug, you just have to treat it as sacred, really, and and build into it and build out yeah, of it. Which is why I think that yoga in schools and meditation in schools like, would help yeah. young people recognise, uh, you know, the next generation recognise, okay, I am more than a body. And when I, yep. when I go and do that, yep. I'm experiencing, even learning how to dance without a drug on board, like ecstatic dance, knowing you can get to that place without any drugs is a really powerful learning. Exactly. And coming to understand that you can get to that place. The drugs can get you there, but there's so many other ways that can get you there as well. Kids, you heard it here first. Drugs, they're not all bad. Um, Someone asked me the other day, actually, when they were taking drugs, you know, oh, I had this past life flashback. I think it was a past life. Is that possible? It is possible because you can access these different cabinets when you're in these altered states of consciousness, which is why the number one step if you are venturing into this is to find someone who can help you know yourself, go through it all as much while you're awake and conscious. The benefit of a teacher. Because then when you go into those those experiences, it's more ecstatic, it's more future visioning, it's more creative, I think. And if you need a hobby for your lifetime, honestly, you could do worse than exploring your own consciousness because you never really re- reach the outer edges of it. You can explore and enjoy and learn, and there's always something new to explore and to learn and to enjoy. Make yourself your personal project, yeah. So what are our takeaways? What are our takeaways? What did we explore and learn today? That, that there is incredible power in being conscious 
Mm. Yet there are no edges to this level of consciousness and where yeah, our humanitarian yeah. levels of consciousness are going to go and our personal levels. I think that's why it's so beautiful and mind-blowing is that it always surprises you. Just when you think you've got yeah. to the end of the rabbit yeah. hole, something yeah, more something beautiful more and simple comes to you and you realise the awakening is powerful. Things that happen to us make us conscious. They're designed to wake us up in new areas. Does that mean that if you never have that experience, you're not conscious? No, because something else may happen to you that makes you more empathetic, conscious, patient, selfless. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's it's more just the understanding that you're gathering experience that's giving you consciousness that's also bringing you wisdom along the way, and that's going to affect how you interpret things, the choices you make. Yeah. But it really affects how you sense and read and connect with frequency and energy and how well you can interpret those things and come up with concepts about solving problems and moving into solutions. For some reason, I've had a lyric from Kendrick Lamar in my head this entire recording, which is from Humble, um, which is just, there's levels to it. You and I know, bitch, be humble. Like, I feel like that, that it kind of sums it up, right? There's levels to it. You got to be humble as you approach it. Um, Yeah. The interesting thing about it is the more awake, aware and conscious you become, you realize how much more awake and aware and conscious you would probably need to be. The more you learn. Yep. The more there is to learn. The more you know, the more you understand you don't know, (laughs) right? But then I think if you met somebody who had that level of conscious and they weren't soft and they weren't kind and it's the same when you're speaking to a guide, if it is not soft, it's not kind, it's not patient, there isn't an awareness that it's okay you are where you are and we don't agree or I'd like to sit with that, you know that you're not with somebody who is conscious. Consciousness does come with Thank God, this inherently inbuilt softening of the ego. And compassion, yes. <laughs> yep. And if it's not there, run. Run. Run from run, your teachers who cut. do not have that. Do not do not even question about Get out. deleting, blocking. Oh, I saw this great meme the other day that said twenty twenty. If you if I don't if you don't uh, treat me properly, I block you. I block you. I block you. Uh, Facebook, I block you. And I thought, yes, empaths. If yes. something is not gelling, let's Stop it right at the beginning. All right, what does the world need now, Lynette? What do you got? I've got the Affirmator cards. I'm going to recommend them. A bit of consciousness without the self-helpiness. 50 affirmation cards. It says, greater consciousness for those of us who don't live in ashrams. And I love it. And so, yeah, get them. look them up online, Affirmators, 50 affirmation cards to help you help yourself without the self-helpiness. Nice one. Uh, Mine is kind of similar to that. I think the world needs more journaling right now. Mm. I think we've all had some very profound experiences Mm. um, this year. Yeah, and like getting in terms of exploring your consciousness, getting it down on paper, getting it out of your head, strangely enough, and getting it onto paper helps you understand your head a little bit more. And all you need is a notebook and a pen. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think journaling, I think setting up some prompts, thinking about the big questions and writing down your answers to them um, is a really nice way of exploring your consciousness and of really processing everything we've been through together and alone this year. Mm. Hey, Lynette, where can I find you online? Where do you hang out? Uh, you can go to www.myenergymentor.com and that's where I live on Planet Online.
Yes, and I'm at kirrileelynch.com. That's K-I-R-I-L-E-I-G-H, Lynch, like the pin.com. And on Instagram, I'm Luminous Awakenings. If you enjoyed the podcast, uh, if we totally blew your mind, then come and blow ours. Leave us a review and give us a five-star rating wherever it is that you uh, get your pods from, whether it's Spotify or Stitcher or iTunes. Go and say nice things about us, please. We would really appreciate it. And uh, we're looking to answer your questions. We want to know what you want to know. We want to share our wisdom. Yeah, and we love to hear how we've raised your consciousness and how we've changed the way you think. And if you're writing us a review, yeah, drop that in because it really um, helps us work out what we're going to be talking about next. (laughs) And you can email us as well. You can email us as hq at woowooverse.com and we're going to be doing a Frequently Asked Questions episode. So send us your questions and uh, we'll answer them for you. Hey, Elle, support you. Support you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Verse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you. <laughs>